Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, November 16th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. So a team that had won one college football game this season defeated a team that had won four. What's the big deal? Well, when the team with one victory hadn't won a conference road game since 2008, a losing streak of 56 games, that's kind of big. So it was for Kansas, a 57-56 winner over Texas on Saturday night. It was an amazing outcome. The Jayhawks never trailed until Texas scored first in overtime. And when KU matched the touchdown, Coach Lance Leipold called for the two-point conversion. Bold move. And how about the play? Quarterback Jalen Daniels found redshirt freshman fullback Jerry Casey in the end zone for the game winner. All right, enough about me talking about this. Let's hear from the reporter who was there, Jesse Newell. He covers the Jayhawks for the Star, and his stories from Austin are part of the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Let's get started. We're talking to Jesse Newell, who covers the Kansas Jayhawks for the Star in Wichita Eagle. And Jesse, it is the middle of November, actually beyond the middle of November. We're a day past it. Kansas basketball has started. They've already picked up a great win over Michigan State in the Champions Classic. This is the time of year where typically we've stopped talking Kansas football for a few weeks. But today, today uh, I think we're going to spend most of the time talking about Kansas football. And if there's a little time at the end, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little basketball as well. But a absolute stunning development on Saturday night in Austin, Texas, with Kansas beating the Longhorns 57 to 56 in overtime. So much to like about this outcome from, from the Kansas perspective, but I want to get into some of the details of the game in a moment, but let's take the, let's, let's take the helicopter view of this and, and the, the meaning of an outcome like this for the program. And I got to tell you, it's it's just a win like this happened sooner than I expected. I'm not going to say a lot sooner because I think that next season there there could be a chance for some victories, but it's a little bit ahead of schedule to win a game like this to me. Yeah, no, you mentioned this, but um, what it does for the program is that it gives immediate something to sell to. And I know Lance Apple doesn't like the word sell, but when you keep getting drubbed by Big 12 opponents, keep losing by a bunch of points, it can be really hard to stand up there, even if you believe in your methods, even if you believe, if you get 1% better every day that it's going to turn around, it's really hard to sometimes sell that sort of progress to people not only on the inside, but also to fans on the outside. And so now this immediately, because it's Texas, it goes on the media guide. It goes in every recruiting mail out. It, um, it is something where you say, look, these are the things that, you've been preached to about and if you follow through it can happen at kansas kansas can go on the road and beat texas on the road kansas can go and compete with the best schools in the big 12 but but it, it gives the coaches buy-in and um credibility right off the bat and it's you know i'm reminded of the term flags fly forever and that's kind of what this moment is for kansas because they can get molly whopped here by tcu this weekend it probably is going to happen and they could lose by a bunch on their senior night against west virginia but that flag is going to fly forever. They beat Texas. They beat Texas on the road. They got that second victory. Now everything is gravy from there. And again, they can go out and try to help the program off of the coattails of this particular performance because 
now everybody is looking at this and saying, hey, Lance Leipold's got something going on with Kansas, and Kansas has something going in the right direction. And I do want to mention this, but we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think this is important as well to bring up. It's a new world in college athletics where um, you have to re-recruit your own players because there could have been a lot of guys on Kansas roster if it was 1-11 saying, well, let's see if there's SEC schools out there that will allow me to have the one-year transfer rule, and I'll go play for a winning team. And Kansas had three of their best defensive players do that right before this season began. Now you can go to those players as well and say, look, how much fun was the Texas game? Can you imagine what's going to happen next year once this thing gets rolling and you understand all the playbook and everything? Um, so uh, this can really help Kansas, especially from a roster standpoint, just because Lance Leipold now has something tangible that he can point to and say, hey, uh, this is what's building at Kansas, and this is part of what the future can be if everyone sticks it out and you come to Kansas and help turn this thing around. Meanwhile, I, I expect a lot of ship jumping in Austin, but we'll we'll um, we'll see about that uh, as, uh, as as the weeks unfold. A lot of the national narrative, of course, was Texas losing as much as Kansas winning, probably more so Kansas winning and Texas extending its losing streak to five under first year coach Steve Sarkeesian. You know, every everything I was reading in the aftermath. Uh, and through Monday was all about the problems at Texas. Um, I, I'll give a tip of the cap to Ivan Mazel, an old buddy who, who run it on his on3.com website, said the lead was buried and uh, not enough recognition given to Lance Leipold for the, you know, for the victory. So let's do that. Uh, I, let me say this before I forget it, because I know I will, because we're going to talk about a lot of things about the game. One of, one of the enduring images to me of that game is after it was over, Lance Leipold coming. You probably didn't see this because you're on the field doing so many other things, but the ESPN cameras caught Leipold on the field with a very serious look on his face, concerned about players, you know, the behavior of his players and wherever they were in celebration. And he's trying to wave them back to the sideline as if, it, as if a coach thought there were seconds left on the clock. And I, listen, I don't think it, had, it, it, did, it didn't do anything to spoil the moment or anything, but what it told me was even in this incredible moment for the program, he still was coaching. You know, the game was over, he won, but he's still thinking about let's, you know, let, let's, let's, let's do the right thing here. And finally, you know, finally he realized there was, Nothing he could do about it. Went over and shook the the hand of Sark, and then you know got um, got interviewed by by ESPN. But I I just found that to be pretty interesting. So Lance Leipold uh, hired late, put his staff together late, didn't have a conversation with his starting quarterback until fall camp, and picks up you know a, a victory for the ages. I tweeted out after the game, could you give the Big Twelve Coach of the Year? to somebody who won one conference game. Uh, it was half kidding, of course, but that's how impressed I was, I was with him and, and how I still continue to be impressed with him. Yeah, and it's a, it's a delicate balance here. And speaking to him, I saw him on the field trying to wave people back. It just is kind of that next play mentality. And I'm sure uh, I'm going to be talking, you know, he'll have his press conference here in a couple hours, but I'm sure he did this last time when they played close against Oklahoma. He was basically so focused on like, hey guys, let's not do these moral victory things, you know, like, 
didn't win the game. You know, you can't celebrate too much after a loss. So I'm sure he'll be kind of preaching that same message. But I think it talks about a little bit of the detail-oriented nature. He's done this before. He's done it at Buffalo. And I've spoken about this before, too. He's comfortable in his own skin. I think Kansas coaches in the past, and this hasn't really been a fault of theirs because this is what Kansas has had to do. Because their program was in bad shape, they've sometimes hired coaches maybe a step before they were ready or um, somebody who didn't fully understand the situation. And because of that, when things went bad, those coaches would panic a little bit and they would do things outside of themselves and they would question their own methods. And I think that's what was so impressive about this Lance Leipold hire was that um, he is comfortable with himself. He is comfortable with what he does. And even if there's going to be like the blowout losses at Oklahoma state or Iowa state, he just keeps preaching the same thing. Trust the process. 1% better every day. And he doesn't stray from the plan when those kind of moments come up where it could be very easy to get off course. So, um, yeah, I think it's a credit to him in that regard. But, you know, it, I do want to balance this out because you talk about, again, joking, Big 12 coach of the year. And, again, we'll see what happens over for KU over the next two weeks. But this still was a team that was a 31-point underdog going into the game. And it's an upset for a reason. I mean, it's the reason that this is the biggest upset in big 12 history based off of point spread. It's because Kansas going into this game had covered the spread one time all season. So it's not like week in a week out that this team has just been over exceeding expectations and just going out there and laying the wood to people. It's really been the opposite other than the Oklahoma game. So again, all the credit in the world to the Kansas coaching staff for keeping their guys fighting hard. I think that Lance Leipold said last week, they had 17 season ending injuries. So they battled through some of those things as well. Um, and, uh, you know, star-wise, talent-wise, they shouldn't be on the same field as Texas, but for a game, for a night, uh, they absolutely were, and they absolutely did, and they absolutely won. So they definitely deserve credit for that. You mentioned a couple of blowout losses they've had this year, but I think that certainly Kansas opened eyes with the Oklahoma results. Uh, they're playing as well as it did for as long as it did in that game before eventually losing by whatever it was, 10, 12 points. Um and since, of course, Oklahoma's lost since then. But that day in Lawrence, that, 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 that was a coaching stroke of genius as far as I was concerned, to be able to um, you know, lead Oklahoma for as long as they did and, and to have the type of game plan with the type of athletes that Kansas had versus Oklahoma. And the same could be said about Kansas versus Texas. What was the – I don't know if this can be verified, and I know recruiting rankings change from site to site, but – I did read something that, that Texas has 42 four- and five-star players and Kansas has one. Is that, is that correct? Uno? Devin Neal, uh, the one that now is the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. So KU made the most out of its one uh, four- or five-star, whereas Texas and, – and that's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, there was a play that Devin Neal scored on on a screen pass. And I just – I watched it. I would keep continuing to be shocked by it. But I think it speaks exactly to where this game was won for Kansas, which was – Devin Neal was going to get the first down, but he had um, a defensive lineman pursuing him that had an angle on him. And then there were three defensive players downfield ready to make the tackle and one KU receiver, LJ Arnold, blocking. And it ends up that the defensive lineman takes a bad angle, doesn't get to Devin, underestimates his speed. And literally the three players got all knocked out by LJ Arnold's one block. He blocked one guy and ended up barreling that guy into the other two players. Uh, just not a great effort. And you know, it's like, I guess it's like the old cliches, you know, the hard work will beat talent when talent doesn't work hard thing. I mean, it was just sort of a perfect encapsulation, which was like, you know, you can be the most talented team in the world, but if, if that's the sort of effort you're going to give while these scrappy guys are going to go out here and give this type of effort, there's a chance you're going to get beat. So Neil played great. Uh, Kyron Johnson was, 
was tremendous. A couple of strip sacks and fueled the uh, the big rally at the end of the first half where, to be honest with you, I saw the score was 14-14, to 14, and then Kansas had scored to make it 21-14 with about two and a half minutes to go in the first half. And I had I, I was distracted and could not see the rest of the first half. I looked at the halftime score and was just shocked. What in the world could have happened? Well, what could have happened was Kansas playing great defense, opportunistic defense, strip sack, got a touchdown, and then the, the pick six. Um, what a demoralizing sequence of events for Texas and incredible sequence for, for KU. Uh, so that's that takes us through the through the first half. It's 35-14. It's kind of, kind of inevitable that Texas is going to going to rally here. Um, not not based on, you know, they, they've actually been losing leads in second halves this year, but they they furiously came back. I, I thought, you know, Kansas got a couple of touchdowns, and it's it's 49-42, KU leading, about two and a half minutes to go, and Kansas faces a fourth and one at about, what, maybe the 35-ish or so? On, on the 34. Yeah, yeah, 34. And I love the decision to go for it. Clinch, you know, you, you probably feel like you've got a chance to clinch the game there. Um, but I didn't like the play call. <laughs> I just, I didn't like the charging to the line. And to me, that's, there, there's the moment where the four and five stars, you give them an equal opportunity or a, great, a greater opportunity to beat your two and, you know, one and two star guys. And Texas did, got the ball back. And however, Kansas gets the interception in the end zone off of that. So Kansas preserves the lead, 49-42. It's after Kansas um, uh, can't move the ball. Texas uses all three of its timeouts. The Longhorns get it back, throw the touchdown pass with 22 seconds remaining to tie the game and send it to overtime. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be like Oklahoma, right? They'll, they'll lose they'll lose an extra period. The, the advantage goes to the Longhorns in, in overtime. I think it was huge uh, that Texas went first. In, in overtime. I mean, if, if Texas doesn't go first, if KU goes first and gets the touchdown, uh, you know, Texas is just going to match, right? They're, they're, they're not going to let um, – uh, they, they kick the extra point. But by going second, by, by playing defense first and offense second, knowing what they needed, it gave Lance Leipold the opportunity to make the decision to go for the win. And that worked out, as we know, pretty well. For the Jayhawks, talk about the two-point play, Jesse. The, the conversion that will live in glory in KU football history. Yeah, so I'm I'm speaking here in the KU football facility, uh, and about 100 feet away from me is setting up a film crew for uh, F- Fox Noon Sunday to do a feature story on Jared Casey, who uh, and has now become a, a viral name around here. And I saw a Texas columnist I think put it pretty succinctly and pretty well which is like how fitting is it for Texas to lose this game with absurd money absurd resources like screw you facilities everything and they lose a game to a walk-on from Plainville Kansas um you know I love love the name Plainville I mean Plainville it's like you cannot you cannot script it up anymore I actually have family out around that area, so I'm, I'm kind of familiar. I've been around that area before out in Northwest Kansas. But um, So let's set this up. Last week, Spencer Rowe, who was a walk-on from Kansas, uh, from Lawrence, he was sort of filling in as their third tight end slash fullback. He has a season-ending injury in practice, okay? So 
Um, he's, but he's played a bunch of games this year. He's performed pretty well, helped him in the Oklahoma game. So that moves Jared a little bit further up the depth chart. He's been the punt. He's the signal caller on the punt team for the punt protection unit. And then he's also on kickoff return. So that's all he's played all season. Fast forward, KU uh, has Mason Fairchild, the tight end. He's played all year. He catches a ball but gets hit in the ribs and has to come out for an injury. Moves Jared Case even further up um, and on the depth chart. So this game-winning play that, that Lancel Gallipo is going to go to, he says he's on the sideline. He sees Travis Goff. He kind of winks, looks at him, and says, I'm going for this, that sort of thing. He asked Andy Kotelnicki up in the box, do you have a play for this? He goes, I got to play, coach. I've got to play for this two-point conversion. Well, as you might imagine, the play is not to throw it to your walk-on freshman fullback tight end from Plainville, Kansas. It's to throw it to your two receivers on the outside who are running a little pattern thing to try to get open. The problem is that Texas overwhelms KU at the offensive line, so Jalen Daniels flush out of the pocket, runs to the right, and sure enough, coming across the formation is Jared Casey waving his arms both in the air to say, I'm open, I'm open, and Jalen Daniels sees him and finds him, and he catches it. And so from there, you know, we've written about this at the star, but I was able to catch up with uh, Jared's parents who make all of his games. They drove down there in their Kia minivan uh, that has 264,000 miles. I caught up with them around Waco, Texas, when they were driving back Sunday. Um, just a crazy moment for them. And now the video has gone viral because uh, his mother, Karen, actually videotaped it. They were just so nervous. I mean, they just wanted Kansas to win. They've been around the program all year. She told me she had no idea he was on the field. Uh, for that play and then they realize as they're recording that jared their son has caught the game winning two-point conversion against texas and so i'd encourage anybody to go check it out it's a viral video now and like i said um it's going to get kansas some national attention here over the course of the next week but an amazing story and i, I told somebody it's something these sorts of stories don't happen every year they don't happen every few years uh this really is kind of a, a remarkable thing that uh is, is something that i think kansas fans need to appreciate when it happens because this sort of cinderella whatever um rags to riches story isn't come around very often and i think that's why you're going to see a lot of national stories on it come out this week well it was so so cool that you were there to, to capture it and to be able to track down the folks uh you said north north of week waco because yeah, they, probably, uh, as you know, Blair, I think that's probably stopping West to get some collages. Kolachi, you know? That's Kolachi country. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I've stopped there to get the collages. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, and, and listen, as, as somebody who drove kids all around the country for sporting events and other kind of performances back in the day, uh, that, that just got me right in the heart. I mean, just for parents to put 250,000 miles on a van, just going from place to place to watch their kids. Um, I, I remember those days. I love those days. And it just, uh, I, I choked up a little when I read that. It was it's such a cool story. So what a, uh, what a way to end it. Let's, you know, Cam just took the ball on the, on the left hatch there. And I thought, okay, so he's going to obviously going to roll right and look for a run pass option or something. What I didn't expect was for him to end up throwing the ball from the 18 yard line. I mean, that's, think about that. The snap is from the, what, the two and a half, the three, whatever it is, he's back at the 18. And when he let it go, I'm thinking, I've seen this before. These plays don't work. You know, you, you, they get picked off, knocked down, hit the, you know, skid. They don't find the target. Well, Texas certainly didn't find Jared Casey, and um, and he held on to the ball. He made the catch, and he held on to the ball. Yeah, we were talking about that, too. Um, if he had dropped it, there might have been a review for targeting. I mean, he got hit that hard by the Texas player, and I think that 
I mean, it's likely that you catch it and win the game. There's no need to throw the flag and have we break up the weird celebration and all that sort of stuff kind of, you know, stomp on Kansas's moment. But, um, you know, looking back at replays, he got wrong. And so I, if he had dropped it, there might have been a there might have been a, a talk about, hey, did this was that a legal sort of hit? Real quick, Blair, I wanted to share this from the press box just to kind of again just encapsulate what this was. Um, and and you know these guys, uh, the Texas writers are great. A lot of them have been there a long time oh, up yeah. in the press box. Kirk uh, and Cedric and yeah, yeah. So anyway, I mean, we're all kind of sitting up there in the aftermath of this thing after all the interviews have taken place, and one of them kind of peeks over down at me and says, hey you know, I just want to get this right for my story all season for you guys. Have you been calling Jared Casey a fullback or you've been calling him a tight end? You know, I just want to get it right. And I, I just laughed at him. I go, <laughs> uh, I got to be honest with you. I Googled his name five minutes ago to make sure I didn't misspell it. <laughs> we all just started laughing because that's the absurdity of this moment. I mean, the Texas Riders, he's like, Hey, this guy's been covering Kansas all year. He surely knows if this guy's a fullback or a tight end. And I got, Blair, I've been covering Kansas all year. I didn't know Jared Casey was on the roster until he caught that, that two-point conversion to win the game. So um, uh, what a moment. I, I was telling somebody earlier, like, for him to be on the field for that play. Right, right. It's unbelievable. He's a, a redshirt freshman walk-on against Texas. For him to be on the field is ludicrous. For him to catch it is, is, is something else. And what's going to be crazy, um, and who knows how it's going to turn out from here, um, because of the two-way conversion, he still has zero career receptions for Kansas. Um, so he might end up one of the biggest catches in KU history and end his career with zero receptions. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, he's going to get his 15 minutes of fame here this week and uh, well-deserved because he made a heck of a catch and then got lit up and still hung on and then went and celebrated with his parents in the end zone on the other end. So a, a really cool moment uh, for Kansas football. Yeah, it doesn't have a, officially a reception, but he is in the scoring column. Two points are by his name. Biggest two points of the season. Jesse, let's take a real quick break. I won't keep you long, but uh, there's a couple other points we need to discuss about uh, about this football team, namely uh, the redshirt status of Jalen Daniels. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. We're talking about the, the KU football victory over Texas last weekend. So Jalen Daniels was, was fantastic. He, he just was. And uh, best game by a Kansas court. Well, first of all, 57 points, most ever by a Kansas football team in a road game. I believe I saw that ever. I know it's the most since Nebraska uh, back in the Orange Bowl year, 76, when they right. scored. And that, game and that was, was obviously a big number. And that was in Lawrence, of course. And so I think I read that this was the most points they've ever scored in a road game. Also, just a little silly side note, it's most people to ever watch Kansas victory and 95,000 people in 
at, uh, at Daryl Royal Memorial Stadium. So largest crowd to ever see a Kansas win. Um, tell us about the, the red shirt dilemma now of, uh, of the quarterback. Yeah, and unfortunately for us right now, we're recording right before Lance yeah, Leifold exactly. does his press conference, so we might get more clarification. We might not, honestly, because sometimes um, Lance has kind of followed the Kansas coach tradition of being coy with his quarterbacks, but it is a fascinating situation because um, – so let's just kind of go backwards here. So KU's coaches come in. They only have fall ball with, you know, August practices with their quarterback, so they have to evaluate and figure out who they want their starter to be. In the – course of that time Jalen Daniels has to sit out for a while with a dead arm you know his his arm kind of has is injured basically so Jason Bean ends up winning the job he starts every Kansas game until this last game a few weeks ago we noticed that um, Jalen Daniels he'd been coming in in garbage time and some of the blowouts he didn't come in in one of those games so we asked Lance Leipold about it and he said the plan now they sat down with Jalen the plan was to redshirt him this year you can play in up to four games and still maintain your redshirt status at the time he had played in two games Fast forward to the K-State game. Well, KU's first quarterback goes down. They bring in their second quarterback, Miles Kendrick. He goes down with injury. So the third quarterback then, Jalen Daniels. He comes in for his third game. That's okay. You figure, you know, Jason Bean will probably be injured. One of them will probably or will be healthy. One of them will probably be healthy the rest of the season. He keeps his redshirt status then. Jalen Daniels would. So then he gets his fourth game against Texas and has, uh, like, according to Pro Football Focus, the best quarterback performance ever since they've been doing greats. So – what do you do? There's two games left. KU already beat Texas. It's sort of a lost season. I mean, I mean, not lost season, but you know what I'm saying. Like they're not going to go to a bowl. There's no significant on the line. They have at TCU and at home against West Virginia, and Jalen could play the last two games and use up a year of eligibility, or you could still redshirt him. The problem for Kansas is I, I was just out of practice. Jason Bean was out there. Uh, Miles Kendrick's out for the year, but Jason Bean was out there doing things. It seems like he has like a wrist injury on his right wrist, but. If he's not fully healthy, you'd probably have to go to either Ben Easter, who's a scholarship guy, true freshman, um, but not really on the depth chart at any point, or Miles Fallon, who's been with the program, but a walk-on. So you would go from the high of beating Texas to like potentially starting a walk-on in the next game when you're trying to build something with the program. So we'll hear more from Lance Leipold. It's an interesting dilemma. I think Kansas is probably just going to play him. I, I, I think you know, he's a sophomore this year. If he wants to come back for an extra year after that, he would get the COVID year back. So potentially you would have him three more years after this. It gives you time if he's the guy you think he is to recruit a quarterback, develop him in your system and be a better program by the time he still leaves campus anyway. So I think you roll with it. The interesting question with this whole deal though is this. Now with player rights, which is how it should be, what does Jalen Daniels want to do? Um, does Jalen Daniels want a red shirt? And does Jalen Daniels want to stay at Kansas? I mean, we have to bring that up because, listen, he played great and had an amazing game and had the Texas memory, but did that open the eyes from some, for some other schools out there? I mean, the kid's from California. Um, does he want to go somewhere else? And if he does, he could go to the coaches and say, hey, look, that was a great game against Texas. Redshirt me. Uh, I've got some plans for myself. So there's a lot of different angles on what's going on here with this dilemma. So I really anticipate that obviously they've sat down with Jalen in the last 24 hours to discuss this whole thing. If it was my call, I would, I would hate to burn a red a whole year based off of two games. But I think with your Kansas, you just have to ride the momentum and see that where this takes you. So I think they keep Jalen Daniels in there and see where it goes and see if they can pull off another one against either TCU or West Virginia. I can think of two instances in Kansas football history where they were faced with a quarterback dilemma when it came to the red shirt. One was Todd Reese. Yes. Um, 
right? They uh, they decided to take the red shirt. Mark Mangino decided to take the, the red shirt off of Todd Reesing. I was at the game. It was against Colorado, and uh, and, and Reesing was terrific. Led Kansas to a win. Uh, I forgot what it was, but well into the season. And it was the start of their ascent, right? I mean, anybody yeah. would say that game was the start of their ascent as a program, which is, again, maybe what Kansas is facing right now. All right, so, and then about 15 years earlier, Kansas had a quarterback named Mark Williams. This was in 1994, and he was used in a game that it, Kansas ended up winning like 72 to nothing over Alabama-Birmingham. It was like the first year Birmingham was back for football, and that was it, basically. And, and he was a junior college transfer, so that, that ended his year of you know, redshirt rules were different then. Once you played, you were, you were done. There was no four games. of, of uh, So Mark Williams starts at quarterback in 1995 and leads Kansas to a 10-2 season with a victory in the, in the Aloha Bowl, and that's his only year in the Kansas program as a starter. So uh, a miscalculation under Glenn Mason then, but uh, I thought a, a really good move by Mark Mangino in whatever that would have been, 2006 or seven. I forgot what year it would have been, but uh, pulled the red shirt off a of reason. Well, and, and I, this has to be said, Blair, um, if there's truth serum out there, I think KU probably right now wishes it didn't play Jalen in that garbage time early in the season. I mean, if you would not have played him in those two games, you'd have your cake and eat it too right now. You know what I mean? And they were, uh, you know, I'm trying to, quickly go back to his game log here but I mean they were two meaningless games meaningless snaps just at the very end and so um yeah it's I, I think again if, if you got KU's coaches in a room with a beer and, and got them completely honest I think right now yeah so Coastal Carolina he went three for five and then Baylor he went oh for one for no yards um so again if if, if everything Nobody could have known this was going to happen, but if, if they had their way and could do it all over again, I think they would have taken those six passing attempts back and, and had the perfect scenario now with Jalen Daniels. It's such a different world with, uh, with eligibility rules and redshirt rules and, and throw in the COVID you know, season that, uh, that, that, that factors in, um, basically a, a free year of eligibility. So all, all sorts of considerations here. I'll, I'll be interested to hear what Lance Leipold has to say about this. Um, and we'll talk about it in a, in a future podcast. Jesse, we went uh, a half an hour and did not bring up Kansas basketball except to say we weren't going to talk about it. But uh, we'll do that along with Gary Bedore next time we chat. I really appreciate the, the time here, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Beth Welch, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Thicket. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell for stopping by and talking about the KU football victory over Texas. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. So let's talk about the morning sports edition. If you're not seeing it, you're really missing out. On KansasCity.com, you go to the Stars E-Edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. Click on that, and you are up to date with the latest in sports news. You can also get it through the email, through an email. I do, and it's there by about 6 a.m. every morning. Listen, however you see it, you know what I'm talking about. It's complete coverage of the previous day's sports news features, statistics, everything. Hey, thanks for reading The Star and listening to our podcast lineup. 
You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we couldn't produce programs like Sports BKC without you. We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.